the Canadian dollar is a risk-on currency. It tends to do well when you know, the prospects for economic growth is very positive. Uh, the U.S. dollar, on the other hand, has a lot of you know, safe haven characteristics. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. It's hard to ignore the recent rise of the Canadian dollar, begging the question to hedge or not to hedge. In today's episode, our experts Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee, along with your host Mark Rays, look homeward for high-performing strategies including investment-grade bonds and Canadian bank ETFs. Before we hear from our experts, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome to our weekly BMO ETF call, our insights call with our team of experts. I'm your host, Mark Rays. I'm the head of product for BMO GAM Canada. We're joined by two of our portfolio managers today, Chris Heeks and Alfred Lee. Uh, Chris focuses on equity and derivative-based strategies, where Alfred has a focus on fixed income and preferred shares. But of course, both are highly uh, aware of everything that's going on on our ETF shelf. Let's get started. Uh, the most questions we've got coming in, and certainly the biggest trend in the news right now, appears to be with the exchange rate, uh, as CAD has been continuing to, to push higher, uh, heading towards, it seems, 120 or up over 83 cents, if you look at it the other way around. What is driving this move, and where are yourselves and economists expecting CAD to be at for year-end? And then with ETFs, can you comment on how we do currency hedging, uh, how it works, maybe tuck in a couple of examples? And as well, I think most importantly, comment on how advisors are balancing right now between hedged and unhedged ETFs. Thanks. Um, sure. So, you know, we've definitely seen a rise in the Canadian dollar versus the U.S. dollar uh, so far year to date. Uh, the Canadian dollar is up about 5.4%. Uh, but when you look at the trend of the Canadian dollar versus the greenback, it actually goes back a little bit further. So uh, essentially, you know, ties in pretty well with the equity market bottom of, you know, that's when uh, we saw the Canadian dollar essentially bottom out, which was March of 2020. And, and the reason why is because, you know, when you look at the characteristics of the Canadian dollar and the U.S. dollar, uh, it tends to be, you know, I would say almost complete opposites, where I would say the Canadian dollar is a risk on currency, tends to do well when, you know, the prospects for economic growth is very positive. Uh, the U.S. dollar, on the other hand, has a lot of you know safe haven characteristics, which tends tends to perform well when you know there's a lot of concerns about you know an economic recession. So, uh, if you look back in March of 2020, during the height of the pandemic, uh, there was uh, you know six or seven central banks that uh, provided liquidity swap lines for the U.S. dollar to each other. Um, we saw a very similar situation. Uh, during the fall of Lehman back in 2008 as well. So, you know, point being is that, you know, after that point, uh, the U.S. dollar really had nowhere to go but down versus the Canadian dollar. I think more recently, the move up in the Canadian dollar has really been driven by two things. One, uh, the difference in, you know, monetary policy between the Bank of Canada and the Federal Reserve. If you look at the Bank of Canada, 
uh, you know, our monetary policy has been a lot more prudent where when you look at a lot of the asset purchase programs, so more, you know, most notably the uh, provincial bond buying program, the corporate uh, bond purchase program, uh, those programs have effectively come to an end as scheduled. Uh, but when you look at the federal uh, bond purchase program, which is the main QE program, that's already been dialed back as well. So the banking Canada is already tapering, you know, their QE programs. When you talk about the Fed, you know, the Fed hasn't even started talking about uh, tapering yet. You know, a lot of people are expecting potentially that comes from Q3 or Q4. Um, but I think, you know, part of the rise in the Canadian dollar has really been due to, you know, that, dif- that difference in monetary policy. But what's going on is uh, what else is going on is also the, uh, the demand for commodities. So, you know, we've all seen the sharp uptick in commodity prices, whether you're looking at you know, lumber prices, oil, base metals. Um, but, you know, as the expectations for global economic expansion becomes more positive uh, with the increase in vaccination rates, uh, that's going to be good for commodities in general. And that's going to be supportive of, you know, the Canadian dollar um, overall. Uh, but when it comes to economic um, expectations for the end of the year, I've seen everything you know, between 82 cents to 91 cents. And I think you know, where the Canadian dollar really ends up really depends on when the Fed starts talking about tapering. I don't think they necessarily need to implement tapering, but they just need to signal to the market that they're going to you know, start tapering at some point. Uh, when it comes to currency hedged ETFs, I think one of the benefits of ETFs is that it allows you know, Canadian investors to not only get access to a lot of different asset classes, but also um, you know, how to play their currency as well. So when you look at any asset class that is non-Canadian uh, in nature, you're going to get, you know, two streams of return. You're going to get the return of the uh, underlying security, but then you're going to get the return of the uh, currency as well. So with the currency had GTF, what we're trying to do is eliminate, you know, that effect or that, that noise and that, you know, that currency return. Uh, so the best way to put it is with a currency hedge GTF, it allows an investor to invest in the local market as if they're a local investor. So how we've seen advisors, you know, essentially use uh, currency hedge in their uh, currency hedge ETF in their portfolios is a number of different ways. I think if you're a tactical investor, we've seen advisors use currency hedge ETFs, which means they're bullish on the Canadian dollar. Uh, for strategic advisors, which tend to take more of a long-term view, we tend to see them prefer uh, taking exposure of the U.S. dollar because over the long term, it does provide some diversification benefits. As I alluded to before, uh, during the risk-off scenario, the U.S. dollar tends to perform well as well. Uh, for fixed-income inv- investors, so uh, advisors that you know use fixed-income exposure that are non-Canadian in nature, they tend to currency hedge the, at all times, just because you know most of that volatility is coming from currency. So, you know how we've seen advisors really apply currency hedge ETFs really depends on you know what they're trying to accomplish. But those are you know I would say the three general ways in how advisors are using currency hedged ETFs. Great. Thanks, Alfred. And I think currency returns, although we've been aware of the appreciating Canadian dollar, it's, it's probably interesting to look back and realize since uh, the market disruption back in March 2020, you've actually got a move from you know over 140 now down to almost 120. So very significant uh, currency shift at play that certainly advisors can take advantage of in their portfolios. Let's move on to fixed income. Uh, We've also seen uh, quite recently a bit of a sharper decline in bond yields. 
the 10-year moving back in from about 160 to 145. Considering the volatility we've seen in longer-term rates so far this year, does this change how you would recommend positioning using fixed income ETFs? Um, you know, we've seen um, you know bond yields pair back quite a bit uh, in the second quarter, and this is something we've anticipated uh, coming into the second quarter, uh, given the sharp upticks uh, in bond yields after uh, Q1. So, I think if you look at the bond market, I think there's you know several things going on right now. I think uh, the surge in bond yields after the first quarter made bonds. You know, pretty attractive from a valuation standpoint. So I think if you're a strategic investor, there's probably a lot of general, you know, portfolio rebalancing from equities to bonds at this point. But I think if you're a tactical investor, I think, you know, um, given the valuations in the equity market that we saw after uh, the first quarter, I think there's a lot of investors that are uh, taking a little bit of risk off the table. So moving into fixed income as well. But uh, when you look at, you know, Canadian bonds from a foreign investor's point of view, I think, you know, Canadian bonds are pretty attractive overall. Not only do they provide a positive yield, but they're also rated investment grade as well. So um, overall, just in terms of general fixed income bond positioning, um, you know, one thing that we've we've been advocating uh, all year is having a diversified exposure. So even though rates are going up, it makes sense to have a little bit of duration risk in your portfolio, uh, which which we have seen has done pretty well over the last four to five weeks. Um, but as we head into Q3 and Q4, I don't think you know, the threat of rising rates is necessarily over. I think you know, right now, if you look at the equity markets, as we head into earnings season, uh, if we see earnings start to pick up again uh, with you know, the prospects of an economic reopening um, you know, getting better by the day, um, if we see that earnings per share start to pick up and really start to justify the prices that we're seeing in the equity market, we could start seeing that rotation back into equities into Q3, into Q4. Um, also on top of that, there's um, you know inflation risk CPI numbers both in U.S. and Canada have come in north of two percent, which is you know above the target rates of you know, the Bank of Canada and the Fed. So there's a lot of people talking about you know whether it's transitory or you know it's partly due to the base effect. Uh, if you look at the PPI numbers of the U.S., a little bit more alarming. So I don't think the threats of inflation are necessarily over. Uh, but then on top of that, as I kind of alluded to, you know, the Fed might start talking about tapering at the end of the year as well. So all of that is going to be, um, you know, it's going to cause upward pressures and in interest rates overall. Uh, so what we've been advocating for in terms of, you know, the fixed income uh, part of the portfolio is having, you know, a diversified mix of, you know, fixed income exposures. I think, you know, a core product like Zag, which is our aggregate bond ETF, Still makes a lot of sense. Let's say it's 80 to 85% of a portfolio, very cost-effective at eight basis points, going to get you diversified exposure to corporate bonds, government bonds as well. But then also complementing that with Canadian preferred shares for that rate reset element. Uh, so let's call that 10% of the portfolio. It's going to protect you against you know, rising interest rates. Uh, but also adding in something like short-term U.S. tips, uh, currency hedging that for 5% of the portfolio and then you know, we've seen a lot of advisors over the last couple of months that are adding something like ZPay, which is our premium yield ETF. So that's a good way to get additional yield. So what Chris and his team are doing is essentially, you know, holding T-bills, uh, selling call options and, and put options to get that premium. Uh, you get a little bit of equity exposure. Uh, but I think as a small allocation to a fixed income portfolio, it might make sense for some investors. So we actually put out a trade idea uh, talking about, 
you know, combining uh, these four ETFs together in the last four or five weeks. So, you know, if you haven't seen that, reach out to your ETF specialist. Great. Thanks for that, Alfred. A good uh, thorough cover of, of how you could play the bond market. It's, it is quite interesting when we've been, been so uh, dealing with rising rates over the first few months to see a quick correction, a chance to reset the fixed income market. So now let's switch over uh, to Chris and on the equity side, let's look at the reopening or that cyclical trade. And of course, we've seen the Canadian banks come through uh, quite strongly since the end of last year. Uh, clearly, this has been a bonus for income-oriented investors attracted to the strong dividends that are paid out through our ZEB Equal Weight Banks ETF. But what are your expectations for the banks over the remainder of 2021? Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I think, um, you know, the trends that have kind of delivered for the banks, you know, we kind of look at them as continuing to deliver uh, vaccination rollout still happening, you know, still buoyed by a lot of stimulus that continues to flow both in, you know, fiscal and monetary side. So the backdrop is pretty good. Um, you know, we're starting to get a little more perspective on reopening here in Ontario and, and um, you know, across, the, across Canada in time. And I think that's going to be you know, definitely a tailwind for the overall economy. Uh, if you look at banks, BMO just reported, BMO just kicked off the um, Q2 earnings cycle today. Um, it's a strong beat from BMO, beat earnings. Um, you know, I think uh, one thing that was noted uh, by our CEO was, our, you know, the diversified um, aspect of the beat. So, um, you know, on the loan side, you know, with credit risk kind of abating, the PCLs are coming in. That's a positive capital markets trading has been really strong and, and wealth is strong as well. Um, obviously, assets under management um, on, in, in our line of business have, have gone up as the markets have continued to recover uh, from the COVID lows. So uh, there's a lot of things that are working. You know, as Alfred mentioned, the you know interest rate movements and the steepening of the yield curve, you know, short rates are still very low, but those longer term rates, the 10 years have have, have essentially doubled this year. You know, that's typically a very good backdrop for banks as well. Um, so BMO, you know, had very strong earnings. We'll be watching the, the other five big banks kind of over the next um, next three to four days as they roll in. But, um, you know, off to a very good start. You know, as you mentioned, ZEB, our, our bank's ETF, is up 25% year-to-date. Um, ZWB, our cover calls, up about 20%. So very healthy returns from the sector. And, you know, if you go on a, a one-year basis, they're almost they're almost double, you know. And as you mentioned, the, the banks did suffer on that initial COVID sell-off, but uh, the trend has been um, certainly favorable um, since mid-last year. Um, so, you know, in terms of an outlook from here, I think we're still positive. I mean, we're still seeing a lot of those trends continue to play out in a favorable way for banks. Um, we, we talk a lot about dividend yield. So the dividend yield of the Canadian banks is about 3.8%, uh, just slightly under that long-term average of 4%. Um, but also remember, Canadian banks have been prevented from increasing dividends uh, for the past year, given the environment we've been in. Um, probably likely, although you know it's not, not for sure, but probably likely we see those restrictions lifted at some point this year. And you know certainly expect some banks to increase their dividends. I think that's going to be a further catalyst, you know, and obviously a fur- further boon for um, for dividend investors. So um, so we're positive, you know, whether banks could go up another 25% this year might be, you know, might be 
perhaps a little too optimistic, but I certainly think there's further room for banks to run um, and, and get into that double-digit return again for the rest of the year. You are listening to Views from the Desk, a weekly edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. If you're enjoying today's discussion, we encourage you to check out our deep dive episodes where we take you under the hood of BMO GAM's product suite. Tune in to episode 75 in the same podcast series where we take a deeper look at genomics-focused ETFs, including the BMO MSCI Genomic Innovation Index ETF, ticker ZGEN. Learn how this new frontier in healthcare can deliver long-term benefits for growth-oriented investors. A recent launch that we've been getting quite a bit of advisor interest and attention on is ZWT, our covered call tech ETF, perhaps, uh, as people see a little bit of choppiness in the tech market. How has this ETF been performing through the market volatility? Can you give us an update on both the portfolio plus how you're positioning the call option overlay? Thanks. Yeah, for sure. So like you mentioned, this is our, our newest cover call. We just launched it in January. So we've got kind of four years, or sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, four months of uh, performance here. Um, you know, I think there was some concern initially about putting an option overlay on tech. And one thing with cover calls is you want to make sure when you're doing a cover call strategy, you're still getting um, some upside and growth exposure. And, you know, as you know, that's something in the way that we run our covered call strategies at BMO that we put a real focus on. We only cover half the portfolio where we have a pretty, I would say, non-greedy approach to generating income. Uh, but still with ZWT, we're able to deliver, you know, it's about a 5% distribution yield uh, net to the end investor. So it's, so it's still a meaningful amount of income, but can provide some upside. Um, yeah, if you look at the last four months, um, our NASDAQ or the tech sector in the U.S., um, in Canadian dollar terms, they're slightly underwater. You know, again, you mentioned that certainly the currency has been a bit of a headwind there. Uh, ZWT, though, is delivering a positive return. So ZWT is up 2%. Doesn't sound like a lot when we just talked about banks, you know, delivering 25% year to date. But, you know, at least ZWT is up, whereas, say, our ZNQ, the NASDAQ in Canadian dollars, is down 3.5%. So it shows you that, you know, in those sideway markets, the cover call, um, approach can can add can add value and and that's what we're seeing with WT. Um, in terms of the underlying portfolio i think you know other kind of benefits that have been, been helping it is you know it's large cap and it's diversified you know, it's 30 of the top technology oriented names um, we don't just hold it companies we also have um, some tech names in certain select other sectors um, to get exposure to the things and and alphabet and facebook Alphabet is, i.e. Google, right? Google and Facebook. They're in the communication services uh, sector rather than IT. Uh, but but the inclusion of those stocks has been um, beneficial over the period. Um, Apple has actually struggled a bit. Uh, but again, we've got a, we've got a, you know, whereas Apple is about 20% in a tech index, it's so big, um, you know, we've got a weight of about 7% on Apple. So, uh, we spread out the, bat, the bets a little bit more uh, prudently, I think. Um, we still have a large cap tilt, so kind of a market cap tilt, but um, certainly the diversified nature of the portfolio and including some non-tech names has been beneficial. And then, uh, yeah, last but not least on the option side, you know, I just say volatility um, continues to be pretty healthy. Um, 
it's been coming in over the last couple of months. So you'll see, I mean, VIX, it's pulled up now before I speak out of turn, but I want to say it's in the low 20s. Uh, it's actually cracked 20, so it's about 19 today. Um, so it's been coming in, but it's still at a relatively healthy level. If you look at the VIX pre-COVID, you know, it was sub 15, maybe even closer to 10. So it's a healthy backdrop, and, and with the nature of these companies, you know, technology companies, more growth-focused, they tend to have a good kind of volatility profile to, to write calls. So I think that's part of the reason why we've been able to add some value in a sideways market. So definitely, I think it's a good approach for someone who wants exposure to the sector, but more of an income tilt to it uh, as a WT's, you know, 5% yield can, can do that for you. Great. Thanks for that, Chris. And certainly an appealing story when you talk about having some of that growth potential from tech, but then looking back and having that base of, as you say, about a 5% yield. So a nice combo for investors. At this point, I would like to check if there are questions on the line. Good morning. With the challenges going on in India, it is understandable that we've had some corrections since March. We are starting to see a bit of a reversal. I was just wondering if you could please give us some insights on your ZID ETF. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for the question. So, um, yeah, emerging markets is something we continue to advocate for in investor portfolios. Um, you know, emerging markets have the highest growth rate in terms of GDP growth rates. They have the highest growth rates in terms of population. You know, we all know India has a has a huge population. And, you know, in terms of that um, evolution to growing the middle class, um, a country like India has, you know, gigantic opportunities compared to a company or country like, you know, Canada, where we've already made a significant progress. So, um, you know, I think the best way to look at emerging markets for investors is figure out what that, that tactical allocation makes sense. Obviously, it carries a higher degree of risk. But like I said, there's some growth characteristics that are your trend. And there's some diversification benefits that can supplement maybe a more North American-oriented portfolio or, or, or North American plus Europe portfolio. So, um, you know, in terms of um, COVID in, in India, certainly, yeah, the headlines are, are, are pretty scary. Um, you know, we do see the case count going down. You know, obviously, people have concerns about how good the case count numbers are in India. But, you know, it is trending down. You know, I think ultimately it's... Um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's a problem that they are chipping away at their, you know, vaccines. Other countries are pitching in to get India some more vaccines. So I think it's been an opportunity um, for India, you know, in terms of the, the, the um, you know, some investors have started to, to, to reallocate to India in the past couple of months. Um, so, you know, I do think, you know, India has always been kind of a darling, I think, of an, of an emerging market exposure. Um you know, like I just for, for some of those reasons, just, uh, you know, there's there's so much growth opportunities and infrastructure and technology uh, that can be built out in India. So, um, you know, carries a little bit of a premium, but, um, you know, do think it's a, you know, it's a, it's a good long term exposure uh, from that perspective. And, you know, and, and, and by the same token, perhaps, you know, just look at emerging markets. If, you know, that's one thing that broad ZEM exposure can give you is, kind of more of a broad exposure, diversify. So you take away a little bit of that noise relative to each underlying country, you know, that can have its turmoil from time to time and get that kind of more average overall exposure. But I, but I do like both 
emerging markets and ZID as a long-term hold, you know, in the right portfolio weight. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, hi, guys. Great call. Thanks for taking my question. Lately, we've been seeing some strong inflows into Canadian equities. Can you give us some thoughts as to why we're seeing such interest in the Canadian equity space and then perhaps your thoughts on factors and sectors we should really focus in on? Thanks. Sure. Um, I can take that one. We, we've definitely seen um, you know, pretty strong inflows into Canadian-based uh, ETFs. Um, so if you look at ZCN, for example, which is our S&P TSX uh, cap composite ETF, I uh, look at the AUM growth uh, year to date. It's been you know close to two billion. Um, so the the reasons why you know Canadian equities have been performing well, um, you know very similar reasons to why you know as I outlined before the reasons why you know the Canadian currency has been performing well. So you know, demand for commodities has been pretty strong, uh, but the Canadian banks, as Chris mentioned, has been you know Canadian banks have you know, been performing well due to that steeper yield curve, due to that uh, economic reopening trade as well. So you know, when you look at what Canadian equities have to offer, so when you look at you know, the TSX, it's really made up of, you know, three sectors, finance, energy, and materials. And all those three sectors, not only are well-positioned, but I think if you look at, you know, most um, economic cycles, those tend to be the early-stage economic recovery plays. Um, but in terms of sectors, I think, you know, banks are well-positioned. I think, you know, uh, Chris did a pretty good job in outlining the banks. Uh, but another sector that I think is undervalued right now is REITs. I think you know, it's, it's a good late-stage uh, reopening play. I think when you look at the commercial REITs, uh, such as the office and the retail operators, there's a lot of you know, those uh, REITs that are still trading well below their pre-COVID levels. Uh, I think as we get an economic reopening, a lot of that uncertainty is going to be removed. Uh, but you know, the way I like playing REITs is through an equal weight strategy, just because you know, even though in the short term I think the retail and office operators are going to be better positioned. I think over the long term, I think if those healthcare um, industrial REITs, which tend to be smaller cap in nature, are going to be better positioned in the post-COVID world. Uh, but in terms of you know factor exposures, I think you know, low ball has done really well uh, over the last 10 years. It's surprisingly surprisingly kept you know pace with the TSX in general. Uh, but one factor that often gets overlooked in Canada is the value uh, the value factor. So. Uh, we've seen this value rotation in U.S. equities, but we've also been seeing in, in Canadian equities as well. So, you know, when you look at ZBC, which is our uh, Canadian value ETF, a lot of good companies in there. Not only do you get exposure to the banks, uh, but also a lot of, you know, quality companies like insurance companies, Fairfax, Manulife, uh, CN Rail, uh, Loblaws as well. So, all, you know, very good quality companies that are just trading at a lower valuation than the broader market. Could you guys reference uh, value as a factor? The other one that seems to be seeing some love lately is low vol, and I'm just wondering, is that something that we like longer term, and, and what are your thoughts on the PM desk? Yeah, thanks for the question. I'll, I'll jump on the low vol. Um, you know, over the long term, we do really like it, and, and it, it has kind of shown its benefits over the longer term. You know, it does have the, you know, the odd period where it underperforms, you know, when we're in a really, really strong cyclically oriented um, market. So for a few months there, it was um, lagging a bit, but it's really, it's really, um, it's really come back as of late. If you look at year to date, you know, the ZLB low ball is up 14%. The index is up 13 and a half. So there's, a, you know, a few things that have really turned around as of late. And actually Alfred mentioned real estate. That's the, that's the top contributing um, 
subsector. Um, you know, again, REITs are um, considered a lower beta security, but but uh, you know, a lower risk security overall. But they really did get hit uh, with COVID, especially the brick and mortar, you know, retail and, and residential REITs, office REITs as well, obviously. Um, but you know, ZLB holds a lot of uh, retail REITs. And um, so year to date, they're actually coming back quite nicely in anticipation of the reopening this year. Uh, so that's been a nice little feather in its cap. The other thing that you saw, you know, last year, Shopify really driving the market. Shopify has taken a bit of a breather and, and our ZLB doesn't own Shopify, um, you know, as it's a higher risk stock. So that's been beneficial as well. Um, but, but, you know, ZLB, we've, we've seen, you know, benefits over time to that tried and true kind of approach of kind of investing in a little more defensive, simpler stocks, you know, staying away from the high flyers um, that sometimes lead to investor disappointment. You know, sometimes higher risk stocks can actually have a higher or excuse me, a, you know, worse return profile because investors are chasing return a little too much. So that blue chip tried and true approach really does um, work quite well, especially in Canada is what we find. So, you know, continue to like it and been very, um, Pleased to see the performance uh, come back um, to it, you know, and actually be outperforming the index in this environment, I think is really good considering overall it's a, you know, as we talked about a kind of an economic reopening value oriented market for ZLB to be outperforming this year, I think is great. Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're continue to be constructive. I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Certainly appreciate you listening in and thanks again for the questions. Of course, thanks to both Chris and Alfred. Some really good insights covering a lot of different areas of the market, uh, giving us some good conversation points to bring back to our to our own uh, day-to-day activity, but as well giving us some good things to think about. So with that, I'd just like to thank everyone one last time and have a great day. Thank you to Chris Heeks, Alfred Lee, and Mark Rays for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the benefits of allocating two Canadian dollar hedged ETFs in your client portfolios. To complement core fixed income, our experts recommend the Canadian BMO Laddered Preferred Share Index ETF, ticker ZPR. On the equity side, consider the BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. That's bmoetfs.ca. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management.